Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Cast Haven. You can find out more at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles. Welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always is Nathan Gullia. Nate, how's it going, man? Pretty good. How are you doing with I'm uh, wedding planning and everything? <laughs> it's uh it's getting intense, but uh it, it, you know, I'm in the I'm in the final stretch. I think I've got nine days left or something like that. Yeah, nine days till D Day. Nine days till Well, uh, good luck. I'm sorry. Sorry I can't make it. <laughs> all good, all good. Long trip. <laughs> The rural New Hampshire from rural Utah. Yeah. Um. So I I I thought we're gonna so we're gonna sort of wrap up what was a pretty busy season for Legacy the past couple of weeks, right? Yeah. This is uh. I mean, what like the last five weeks have been pretty intense for uh for Legacy as a whole. Yeah. Well, last week we had Eric Virgo on. He talked about his double top eight at Eternal Weekend. So we haven't really talked about Eternal Weekend at all. But I was thought you know. Eric did a great job talking about both tournaments and really got me thinking about a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I so, mean, it was a really great interview. I hope you guys didn't listen uh, to that. Go back yeah. and listen. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't get a chance to listen, please go back. It was a really great interview. And uh, again, we got to really thank Eric for for coming on, for being so, uh, so open uh, and uh, really easy to talk to, too. It was really great to have him on. Yeah, definitely. Um, Eric played rug right to a second place finish or like a second place after the Swiss. I think he was in, I think he lost in the quarterfinals to Eldrazi at the eternal championship. And then at the star city, there were several rug decks doing well. There was another in the top eight. Um, and there was at least one more in the top 32, perhaps two more in the top 32. So, you know, we talked about that deck a lot as I know it's like, one of these decks that's very resonant for both of us. Yeah. And I feel like I'm just playing it. I'm just playing it now until further notice. What about you? <laughs> uh, I mean, I played it last weekend or last, sorry, last week on Thursday. Uh, and I, uh, I did well with it. I, I, I wasn't upset. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where like, uh, I'm playing enough different decks now that people don't know exactly what flavor I'm on. So it, that always helps when you're playing rug is like, not having anybody just immediately put you on rug and then they're like careful about their fetching and all that stuff, you know, like, you know, playing in a bigger tournament, no one knows what you're on. So rug is always a pretty decent choice. But when you're playing amongst people that see you every week and if they know that you're always on rug, it's very hard to, to rug them out with stifle and stuff like that. Yeah. On the other hand, I feel like some decks don't really have a choice. Yeah, I, oh, yeah I, true. we talked about it. We played a couple different. We played a couple different builds earlier in the year, and we were always doing pretty well, like finishing above five hundred, yeah. right? At least you know winning oh, yeah. more games than we lost. And then you know I, I remember just for specifically for Grand Prix Las Vegas, I just would you know sort of talked myself out of it, like no, <laughs> this isn't really well positioned, you know. And I didn't do terrible at Vegas, but I didn't do I didn't make day two or anything, and. Uh, you know, I took it on Monday to the store and I lost to lands in what was just a, you know, blowout. Though I did win the I did win game two. 
But I won game two because I like forced his loam and spell snared his loam and like just got in enough times before he could do something horrifying. That's the way to do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and then I played against two death, right? Shaman decks in a row and didn't lose a game and beat three resolved death rights. Like you can do it. It's not impossible. Beat him on the draw, beat him on the play. You know, I will say like, the reason I think that deck is so resonant is just that it feels it's so natural, like it's so fluid, right? Um, you know, I played I, I uh, played a guy, I played a land, my opponent played a fetch land, passed back because he knew I was playing rug by the third round, and then I played a wasteland, and then he wasteland my wasteland, I wastelanded his fetch, he fetched in response, I fetched in response, stifled it, he forced my stifle, I dazed his force, that was his turn. Jeez. It's just it's all so fluid, you know. You have it all. Right? It just feels like all the motions are so smooth. Oh yeah. And also <laughs> like Then you... I just dropped a What's that? Sorry, go ahead. Uh yeah, I was it's say, also... like, then I just like dropped a creature on my turn and yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the funny thing about that deck is it's like you know what your role is. You know, you know exactly where you, what your role is. Once your opponent plays his his like first couple cards and you know what he's doing. You're like either you're aggressive or you're reactive, but you're never like, you know, if you're the control deck in a scenario, you're like, yeah, well, I'm a control deck, but really my, my plan is to make it so that you're not allowed to do anything, you know? And if you're an aggressive deck, yeah. you're just like Delver, go, you know, Daze, Spell Fierce, you know, it is, it is the quintessential tempo deck. It's what I feel like when people, when people talk about tempo decks, this is the most of that deck. Yeah, and I think that's why people like it and, are, and like to see it doing well. I forgot to mention that it made it to the finals of the uh, MKM series in Hamburg, uh, you know, about a month ago as well. So, I mean, this build with the two spell snares and two spell pierces seems to be what's doing what's doing it, right? Yeah. Um, I think spell snares just ex- exceptionally good right now. And hooting mandrels. Um, just. <laughs> Hooting Mandrels, though, the one in the top eight here at uh, at the Star City Open had uh, Tarmogoyf. Wow. Yeah, he had, uh, yeah, three Tarmogoyfs. No well, true name. Wait, true in a sideboard. Maybe, I mean, maybe in a world where people stop playing Tarmogoyfs, people stop playing Fatal Pushes, and then Tarmogoyf becomes good again? Is this some sort of cyclical thing that happens? Well, I guess maybe against the Fatal Push decks, you're bringing in these two true names. Yeah. And boarding out some stuff and that just sort of you might you know you might lose game one but you can win the next couple of games you're gonna be on the play and then uh you know have your sideboarded game in game three uh his deck his sideboard is pretty good against those kinds of decks you got two winter orb like people are trying to like snapcast your stuff winter orb's good yeah um two ancient grudge just to like clean out things that get in your way i guess equipment and stuff so mm-hmm. um I don't remember what I had in my side. Where my deck's right here, though. Oh, I had a Vapor Snag. I had a GTA. And, you know, it's funny. I forgot that GTA can't equip Nimble Mongoose. Yeah. Until, like, I had a Nimble Mongoose and a GTA in my hand. And I was like, keep. Yeah. And you, then I realized what I was doing. You quickly so. realize, oh, no. That's not good. <laughs> I did get it on uh, something, though. A Delver or something like that. Yeah, I mean, some point. on a Delver. It's, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the deck's good. I'm... I'm I'm happy to play it. I think that if you don't want to play it, 
the reason is because you just like like lands it's not great i don't think it's it's probably not terrible like i i I had to like mulligan the five in game one and just like he had like turn one exploration double wasteland on turn two like i wasn't gonna have a land in play (laughs) yeah yeah like so then i won game two and lost game three um but it's not great and i I mean a card like a card like death right you know does shore up a matchup like that a lot but um you know i I don't know it's a little more polarizing with rug is that is that the way what i want to say here like just yeah, I think some um, matchups can be a little bit harder than playing another flavor of Delver. Yeah, I mean, the, you have you have your bad matchups for for this deck for sure, and lands lands is certainly one of them. And you can build your deck to be better against lands. In fact, Spell Snare makes your deck slightly better against lands. They have a lot of twos that they want to cast, and you yep. can stop that from happening. Um, you know, at least play playing the tempo game. Um, you know, Submerge is another card that often is good against lands if they're not playing around it. Um, and sometimes they just can't play around it. Um, it's funny how wasteland, uh, in, in against lands can be sort of a problem for you if you get rid of their, their, uh, forest because you really need it. And after you really need a forest in play after board so that you can stop merit Lage from being a problem. Um, you know, uh, uh, surgical. Well, I didn't number... play submerge. I played, um, sorry. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what'd you play? I, I didn't play submerge. I played Piper Snag. Okay, vapor snag. I played vapor snag to, uh, yeah, yeah, Um, because I felt like uh, people aren't going to Dutch forest against me necessarily. But I mean, I just turned out. I played against lands, maverick, and bug, so they all had forest in play. (laughs) Yeah, well, so submerge would have been good. (laughs) I mean, still vapor snag's fine. Not that it really doing damage to them, so that's not bad either, and it can protect your guy. Uh, Yeah, um, well, yeah, right, exactly. I mean, I don't know. I just was saying that. uh, it was funny that I skipped that card specifically and then played against three forest decks yeah. <laughs> in a row. Um, but the reason was I didn't expect to play against a lot of forests. I expected to play against like black, red, rant, like with it, like black, red, rant animator for sure. And um, like turbo depths, that doesn't always fetch forests now, like because they play around submerge. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying that like that, that matchup isn't super, and it's slightly better to play other flavors. Like if that's what you're worried about. But if you really just want to have that like fluid motion of your deck and feel like your deck is, you know, working towards a purpose, I think Rug is just as an identity. You know. Yeah. The best stifle deck for sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the best parts about that deck is like you have, it, the cards are good in like so many matchups where it's it's part of your plan, right? But yeah. you know, it, you're playing in Storm. It's it's like four extra Fluster Storms. Just sitting in your deck, just like there to there to win the game, you know. I mean, against like a reanimator deck, sure you don't have, you know, death right, but you know maybe they like reanimate Grizzle Brand, draw seven, you stifle it, and then maybe you have two bolts. <laughs> yeah, that's not nothing. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the 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 lightning bolt is often the red is often like the worst part of that deck. Um, sometimes but then other times it's like the mo- you know you have that reach that the other the other decks don't have like the bug delver deck doesn't have um and and that's that makes up for it a lot of times i think like having having access to red for pyroblast and for um some sideboard choices it, it is pretty good and it's just like 
the the blue and the green really go, really come together to make your threat base really awesome. Uh, and sometimes the red feels like it's not it's not the most potent part of the deck, but as far as the sideboard's concerned, I think it's I think it's the best part of the deck. Yeah, I remember I was debating whether or not. I was in all and I humble and rough tumble. I like four for one Maverick guy, but that's like another card that's pretty good right now, right? Yeah, rough tumble is, um, is really good. Uh, I mean, even uh, what is it? Volcanic Fallout can can occasionally be like a, an amazing like rando sideboard card if you if you really want to get somebody. I prefer to play a couple of uh, sulfuric vortexes in, in my deck so that I can get uh, get the uh, more control decks once once I'm uh, on top of them. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just. You know, I'm happy to see the deck do well. I'm happy to like feel like it's worth playing. Definitely for sure. I like playing Hooting Mandrills. Yeah. I know I shouldn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that like I should like really want to like be a mongoose deck and everything. And a couple times I was like kind of staring at it and like just like, well, this is like two threats then and you know five damage, which is still better than just three. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I might as well get this down. I often go back and forth. Like if I know my opponent's not going to wipe my board, right? If they're not playing black and if they're not playing uh, white, I'm like, all right, I can I can do this, right? Like you're not you're not going to often see like someone be like, oh well, I guess I'll just toxic deluge you. If you know your opponent can do that, then you don't play both threats. Um, but um, yeah, pressuring your opponent is often is often the play to make, even if it makes your mongoose smaller. Um, but, but most of the time I'll just ride one threat out. I I'll do as, as Eric said, the protect the queen strategy, just play one threat, make you deal with it, play one threat, make you deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's one thing that I'm not always comfortable with, but, uh, I, I need to get better at that myself. Just being ready to do that. Just protect. All right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, you know another thing that came out of the past couple weeks here, and that was the underperformance of Checkpile as a deck, you know, four color control or whatever you want to call it, four color Leovold. Yeah, and just to sort of set the table here. So there were 711 players, I want to say, at Legacy Champs. Let's see if I got that right. Um, but and Checkpile was the most represented deck. It was 60 total decks and. And 8.44% of the field. And there was one in the top eight. The next one doesn't appear till 31st. And then the next one doesn't appear till 40. And that's according to some data that's been collected on the source. So there's like one person missing maybe between those two that could theoretically be a check pile deck. But let's say, you know, three in the top 40 for the most yes. played deck. And only one in the top 30, 30, right? That's pretty bad if you're the highest represented in numbers as the deck is concerned. That's not that's not good numbers you're putting up in at the end of the tournament. Yep. And then so at Star City Open, which is two days, right? It was the most represented deck on day two. So it, on day one, you know there must have been a lot of them, and you know a lot of them made it to whatever seven and two, six and three. Yeah. Not a single one appeared in the top thirty-two. I mean that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's so. That is that. I mean, so you have to wonder: is that just bad luck, or is the deck just not well positioned against other decks that are doing well? Well, I remember we did our percentages, and you thought there was going to be a lot of them in the top yeah. eight. Oh yeah. What were you? Let's just say. So, what do you think is has happened? What do you, what do you think is is the case here? 
Do you think I, mean, that, I have a couple ideas. Do you think that people just figured out how to play against this deck? You know, like that might be part of it. Yeah, you know, where to where its weak spots are and where to where to attack it. I mean, your day two. You're talking about your day two competitors, right? So good yeah. players. People play a lot. Um, I mean, I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I don't know if there's anything specific about the meta game at the, either of these two tournaments. They were only a couple hundred miles apart, right? Yeah. Um, if that, I don't know how far Washington is from Philly. Um, or I'm sorry, it was in Pittsburgh, so it was a few hundred miles. There we go. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the the card that I think that there were a couple things I thought that were interesting. One was um, that uh, Grixis Delver, which is very close to the same deck, did exceptionally well at both tournaments. Right. Yeah. So Grixis Delver. Let's see. We got one, two, three in the top eight at champs, and then. It appears in 13th, 17th, 20th, 26th, 27th. So one, two, three, four, five, between the top eight where there were three and the next check pile deck, right? Um, and then at, at the Star City, it appears, um, I think there's only one in the top eight, but uh, yeah, one, no, two Grixis Delver in the top eight. And then in the top 32, it appears... Another one, two in the top 16. So four in the top 16. Two more going to 24th. So that's six in the top 24. And seven, eight. Eight in the top 32. Is this a case of like reach beats control? Because like that Delver puts those couple extra points on the board. And, and uh, maybe that's maybe that's the scenario there is like it's just better to be a fast deck in, in Legacy than it is to be a deck that like can play the long game. Yeah. I'm I'm going with that. I think that's probably close to right, um, especially in a paper tournament where uh, you know you can play against you know anything. Belcher, right? yeah, people are going to show. Sure. The question is like, what's over? Like, it's overrepresented online. It's always there's always several of them in when they do the challenges in the top thirty-two. I think the last challenge actually was pretty light on it, um, which means that people maybe have adapted to it. But it's just overrepresented online, and I think that if you're if you are the kind of person, and, and many of us who are devoted to the turn to the uh, format are, who practices online and you play against this deck all the time and you see it in the top spot all the time, you start to think it's everywhere, right? Yeah. And but then and I say that, but it kind of was everywhere. I mean, it was the most represented deck at champs, and it was the most represented deck on day two of the open. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think for 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 my dollar, I think what's happening is people are figuring out how to play against Deathrite Shaman. Um, and I think that this is the this is the deck that uh, rewards you the most for learning how to play against Deathrite Shaman. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas you'll still sneak some games if your opponent knows what they're doing with, with Grixis Delver. I also feel like uh, Checkpile's a little soft um, in the threat department. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like your, your threats are pretty dirty, and they all just get, like, like Punishing Fire. I mean, there's two Punishing... Uh, fire decks uh, in this top 16 here um, from uh, the the open and you know people play lands a lot in paper actually there's should say there's three because there's a lands deck here um, I just kind of feel like that card specifically like you can get that thing going against uh, a check pile deck you know it's it's just hits all their threats except for Gurmag Angler and like you know I guess Jace theoretically but it's good against Jace which yeah. is better than nothing right yeah, for sure. What I'm supposed, what I'm surprised by from the results, 
And I'm sort of surprised that Grixis Delver, which is, you know, check pile with a couple changes, right? The Wasteland being one of them, right? It plays yeah. a lot. It's heavy on Wasteland. Um, does so much better. And I just, the Delver closing speed is probably, probably important there, right? Yeah, I mean, I think being lower to the ground helps a lot. Um, the, the fact that, you know, most of the time, if you're playing the, the Delver deck, you're probably playing more bolts. I think, uh, Grixis, uh, you know, the pi- the pile deck plays like one bolt most of the time, maybe two. Yeah. Usually one volt more fatal pushes. Yeah. I'm trying to find him. I'm like, I want to look at a list, but I can't find one because they're not in the top 32. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. I mean, I just don't think that deck is the boogeyman that people sort of thought it was going to be like, oh, no, now we're just never going to like there's never going to be another fair deck because it just plays all the best cards. Like, I just feel like there is you can have a plan against that deck. And yeah, it's really good. Like, it's going to get you because their cards are all really good. Right. But, yeah, of course. Um, there's angles that you can that you can hit there. I mean, I remember playing against Sam when Sam was playing it and I played him against Eternal Extravaganza. Like, I mean. I got got caught in a knot with my own deck, like, but I had a good plan of like pricing him out and just bolting him and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe I mean Burn Burn won the uh, the, so they have the Legacy Open the Legacy Classic, you know, the next day. Yeah, yeah. Burn won the Classic. I mean, that's no surprise, right? Price of Progress is 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 brutally good, especially if you're you know think about how many of the Grixis Delver decks didn't convert uh, to day two. And immediately we're like, well, I spent a bajillion dollars in this deck. I'm going to play it. I'm going to play yeah. in something on Sunday. And then people are just like, cool, I'll just play my mountains and uh, I'll play Price of Progress and do 12 damage every time I cast a price. Okay, so Burn won the Star City Classic. Here are the other seven decks in the top eight. Ready for this? Okay. Second place, Lands. Yep. Right. Okay. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Third place, Four Color Loam. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Fourth place, Mud, Metalworker, Utter Domination. Sure. Fifth place, Colorless Eldrazi. And I can tell you from experience that Price of Progress is a freaking house there. Yeah. Sixth, Check Pile, Four okay. Color Control. Oh, let's see if he has any basics in his list. Uh, oh, he does have the basics and not the Wastelands. But the Wastelands do nothing against Burn. So. No. <laughs> um, and then seventh, Infect. Eighth, Blue Red Delver. And I do think it's weird, but blue in in the blue red Delver versus Burn matchup. I don't know how this like uh, top eight played out, but I do believe that actual Burn is favored. Yeah, that I think makes it's sense. Slightly better. Um, I agree. Because they can kill your Delver with one of their guys, but your price of progress is nothing, and their price of progress is live because you have Volcanic Island. Yeah, I mean, think about this: if if it's if this top eight is indicative to what the whole tournament looked like. Right, none of those matchups are great for for Grixis aside from Infect, or sorry, not Grixis from from like Checkpile aside from Infect. Yeah, and uh, right, exactly. Like every and one I'm, of those... I'm just I'm just thinking like the, the burn, the fact that burn got that top. Oh eight, yeah, like, that's a great top eight for me. burn. Oh, he, by the way, he has three Searing Blaze main deck. Nice <laughs> in his yeah, burn deck. So good. nice Infect, nice Infect deck. Like yeah, I'm gonna kill all of your guys. And then you also take three. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, pretty... it's a it's a pretty th- th- that's searing searing blaze is a tough card to to deal with when you're infect to begin with. But like, you know, knowing knowing that your opponent has three of them in his deck is sort of silly. Well, yeah, I mean, I think yes, that's just that's just pretty cool that that's what's in the burn deck. He's got a grim lava mancer main deck too, which is just a nightmare for infect. It's a real nightmare. Um, <laughs> the sideboard's got three searing bloods. 
um, which is another just like good like if people are playing to the board and you're playing burn like the searing effects are so great yeah and uh, yeah I mean it's funny like <laughs> I always say like I should just play burn you know yeah. sometimes I think that I don't own Eidolons and I don't own like fire blasts <laughs> I mean, one of uh, those you can remedy relatively cheaply. The other one's like, is it? It's is Eidolon still like a twenty dollar card? I think it's probably like six bucks. Yeah, it's, it's but it's, I mean, you know, it's good. I think Burn is a perfectly good deck, and yeah. especially like on this. If you're going to say the day two was like people who were playing multicolored decks that couldn't get to day two, right? Yeah. Like I mean, that's just that's just a feast for this Burn deck. So I thought that was pretty pretty cool for uh for Burn players. Also, by the way, in the top sixteen of the classic, fifteenth place. Punishing Zoo. Oof. Punishing deck Zoo. Get heart. out of here. Yeah, this deck is great. <laughs> this deck is great. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, is it a Berserk actually, deck? It is not a Berserk deck. It's more like a, it's more like Naya mid-range than okay. Zoo. I mean, he has Wild Nakadal, um, but uh, it's more like – it's bigger. It's got – I mean, it's got Punishing Fire. Swords to Plowshares. Can I can I share with you a secret deck I was working on, but I, I don't think I'm going to finish it. Okay. I had a Naya mid-range idea that was almost pretty much the same deck as this, but I was going to play uh, a set card, um, Kavu Predator, <laughs> with the Punishing Fire, Swords to Plowshares, and Fiery Justice. Jeez. And uh, see if I could actually put that together. Um, I I built it and I kind of like noodled around with it and I haven't had a chance to play it. And I don't know if I'm ready to pull the trigger yet, but I really want it to work. Yeah, <laughs> It'd be so cool. That's so silly. Wipe your board, attack with a 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah, it's like every turn you kill a guy and it goes up by one. Um, But anyway, yeah, I just thought that was cool. So, um, uh, Yeah, I don't know. So I, I feel like the format, I felt... I was nervous going into the past couple weeks that the format was going to be too four-color-y. Yeah. And that was all we were going to talk about. But now I come out of it and I'm like, you know what? I think these. I think you can play a lot of decks still. I think you can still play Rug. I think you can still play, in fact, like, you still got to play blue decks. But then here's Punishing Zoo. Yeah. 15th place at a Classic. I mean, I'm still not super thrilled with, with Deathrite Shaman being a card, but I think people are learning to, to play around it. Um, and, and prioritizing it as, as a card that they need, they need to beat, um, instead of being like, well, uh, I'll just guess I'll do my thing before they do their thing. And hopefully that works out for me. So I think people yeah. are taking a more proactive plan against death, right? Shaman, um, which is, you know, that's one way to deal with it. Uh, I suppose, uh, you know, other ways are like, I, I really like, uh, sorcerer spyglass right now. I think that's a card that, uh, I, I really want to test out in, in at least in the sideboard of rug over pithing needle. Um, I, I just think that that's the, like getting that information might be worth the extra mana. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good card. I had a pithing needle on my rug sideboard and I, and I did pick up my source for spyglass and sort of look at it and then went to the pithing needle because dark depths is so popular. Yeah. Oh wait, the source for spyglass stop dark depths. Maybe I, maybe I should have just grabbed it. It does because yeah, it does yeah, work on lands. Yeah. Uh, I'm checking. It, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I messed. I screwed that up. Then I should have played it. Yeah, I, I, I like I like that because it's like you can yeah you can obviously you can name your opponent's fetches or whatever if he's got a handful of fetches. Um, but uh, the card the cards the information that you get as a as a rug player is probably worth the the two mana right there uh, and to shut off something for sure right. Um, 
Yeah, and what's interesting is when we had Eric on, he was talking about playing Gitaxian Probe, you know, the one of Gitaxian Probe. And I and I really do like Gitaxian Probe um, in the rug deck, but I was also just like, I'm gonna play all these uh, counter spells, like the four spell pier, or the the four split, the spell pier, spell snare split. Yeah. And I just was like, I'm just gonna play the preordain from the original version of this list from the Magic Card Market. I don't think either of them is better or worse, but like I do like its Axiom Probe effects in Rug just because it tells you sort of what you can do. Cause yeah, you know your so plan. Important. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, just having that information is is so is so clutch because you can you know depending on how your opponent like cantrips and whatnot, you can be like, oh great, like I know what my opponent's not doing for the next couple of turns. I've got I've got enough dazes and spell pierces to k- keep my Delver in play or something like that. You know. Uh, having that information is, is pretty clutch. So having like Sorcerer Spyglass or whatnot seems like in, in in a particular matchup, it might be really great. Yeah, and the thing is, you don't have to name something in their hand, right? Yeah, of course not. Like, like let's say like you're on the play, you play something, and then they play Deathrite, and then on turn two, you play Sorcerer Spyglass, you look at their hand, and then you just name Deathrite, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think many so times... You, you the- that the trap might be naming something in their hand, you know, like you're like, oh, I'll get them, I'll get, I'll flooded say strand, flooded yeah. strand or something, and then they draw the grim lava mancer in it, and you know you're on infect, and you're like, oh, I'm an idiot, I should have not played played that that style of uh of game against this this opponent, I should have definitely played the smart play, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like, it's interesting, like. It, it they they feel related because they're both you know there's obvious application there yeah. but they're not they're not they don't have to be related it's like not choose any card name in their hand so like let's say like okay you look at their hand you see what they're gonna do like oh well they don't have access to death right they can't play this Leovold so I'll just you know have my days for that or whatever you know yeah. and uh, you know we'll see what they do that's the worst thing they can play okay they got baleful strix i've got a bolt i'll bolt that i'll name this and then i'll daze their thing yeah great there's your plan right you sequenced yep. it cool card um so and you mentioned there's something you mentioned yeah good segue into our yeah well next thing. so you know bring all this bring all this together is you know i did play rug last last week and i went two and one with it but you know what yep. i did with my uh store credit nate what I bought a Karn Silver Golem. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Because I think that uh, if if we're gonna be if we're gonna be living in a world where uh, Mishra's Mishra's workshop is is like a staple and it's never going away, it's the brainstorm of of this format. <laughs> uh, so so says some people. Um, I I think uh, it's time for me to just start uh, living in that world too. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll try like a a blue a more artifacty version of the deck that I'm playing, but maybe maybe I'll even just jump into uh, Misha's Workshop uh, territory myself. Well, there's been a lot of talk about it, and, I mean, what can you say? I mean, five of them in the top, five Workshop decks versus three Oath decks in that top eight. Yeah. And, I mean, things look better as you go to nine to 16 and everything, but, I mean... <laughs> It, it, it's what you said. It's like there's there's too much. There's a lot of baggage around Mishra's workshop yeah. right now. I I what's what what's your take here? I I I I don't know. I think I have an idea. But I need to compose my thoughts. Yeah, I think well for for my money, I I agree with a lot of people that that mental misstep is is a problem in the format. But I don't think that you know. Uh, I, I think that that's this the, the like 
oh, restrict uh, mental misstep, and then the workshop decks will be put in their place because people will know not to play these bad cards against that deck. I think that's a that's a terrible uh, idea as far as like what logic means to 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 the format. Just because you're not allowed to play certain cards that aren't good against a deck doesn't mean that you're going to, it's going to be better. That's like the reason why they got rid of Gush and, and uh, Monastery Mentor. They're like, well, and if we push, and probe. yeah, and Probe. It's like, oh, if we push these decks out, then people will start playing decks that are better against Mishra's Workshop. Um, I think that's insane to, to assume that that's, that that's how that's going to work. Um, and, and that, and honestly it was, I mean, people just started like going, okay, well, we'll just play four mental missteps. In, in the deck now, instead of like the, you know, sometimes they were playing two, uh, you know, and sometimes they were just playing one or two or three. Now it's like every blue deck has got four of them in there. Cause they're all just fighting each other. And they're like, well, if I'm going to lose the, um, workshop in game one, I, I should definitely have cards. I can side out in game one that will just come like artifact hate will just come in for those cards. And that's not a great plan, obviously, because no blue decks were really in the, in the, um, top eight, uh, as far as as far as I can see, I don't really consider Oath a blue deck, uh, in the same sense that uh that like Big Blue Tezzeret, um, or like you know Monastery Mentor, that those decks are blue decks to me. Whereas like, uh, it just feels like you're playing like either a Storm deck that that gets uh that you know pays two mana to get your Yogmoth bargain into play, or uh or you're like putting an Emrakul into play off of a, off of an oath. So I think oath is a slightly different non blue deck. I, yeah, I agree with that about oath. I, I, I think the mental misstep just really, it's just irritating to have it in any format. I think, yeah. Um, there are times I'm like, I wish I had mental misstep, you know, in legacy for whatever reason, you know, but I know it's not right. And that's not the right thing yeah. to think. I think what's interesting though well, okay. Let's say they don't. Let's say it's like we're just we're not restricting workshop. That's just not what we're doing. Yeah. They. What do you do? I mean, well, here's the thing. The other thing, the other argument about mental misstep or what you're saying is workshops. Let's see if I can find the. Uh, okay, workshops. Sixteen point eight six percent of the meta, right? Mm-hmm. Plus Eldrazi. Eldrazi's ten point three zero percent. So about twenty five percent are shops or Eldrazi decks at that tournament. And really, like, Shops and Eldrazi are pretty close to the same deck because they're playing a lot right. of the same lock pieces at the very least. Right. But, you know, if you want to say, well, I should, why should I not be playing all these cards against blue? Blue is still 75% of the metagame, right? And, you know, the question is, this is what I used to say about Miracles, right? If you're serious about winning a tournament, you have to be prepared to play against that deck at the top tables. For sure. Right? And I put weird stuff in my decks to combat miracles on some nice runs that i had but i did lose other matches because of that right yeah. it's just sort of how that goes you know um i remember when i, was, I played at a, a star city classic and i played against like death and taxes and i was you know i had all these clunky like multiple like high expensive spells to fight miracles and then meanwhile like i have no lands from wasteland and port and like i can't play any of them against yeah. death and taxes you know so like that you're at that point in this format where it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't really, I, it's easy to take the, just be like, whatever, I don't care about mental misstep or I'm just going to take them out and I'm going to play ancient grudge, but you know, I'm not going to play against workshops for the first couple of rounds. I need to win those rounds. Right. Yeah. To get to the next, to get to the next level. Um, and 
So I think that you've got, that is the problem. Like cards that are good against Workshop aren't good in other matchups that are going to be more common, right? Yeah. I mean, you can surely play a bunch of Artifact Hate main deck. That's fine. You can do that in in, in this format. But it, there comes a point when you, you're drawing dead, you know? Um, and and uh, situations where your opponent draws three cards and you have an Ancient Grudge in your hand so of a mental misstep in your hand, it's definitely worse. Yeah, right. Exactly. But you mentioned uh, lock pieces, and if they rest- and I think there's a thought that this deck is a lock deck, right? Yeah. And so theoretically, like they go to restrict other thing, it's going to be spear or thorn or spear or uh, revoker. But like by the time you get down to like one of each of those and one revoker, you know, mm-hmm. and then what you're playing four metamorphs, you know, yeah. at that point maybe, like is this like. The deck is so fast, and like that's that's not the lock pieces. That's that's uh, Foundry Inspector, Walking Ballista, you know, Arcbound Ravager, Chief of the Foundry, which is which gives our artifact readers plus one plus one. Mm-hmm. Uh, walking something or other. What's that other thing? Oh, Steel Overseer, not Walking Overseer. Yeah. Steel Overseer, which taps to put plus one plus one counters on all your creatures. Mm-hmm. Like those cards. That's what's you know you're you're not getting you're not casting two ancient grudges because you're dead. <laughs> well, how do you feel about Ravager? What do you think is Ravager like if they took out they call it Ravager shops right? Like if they took out yeah. Ravager, would would you feel how would you feel about the deck? Well, Ravager is a stupid card. Right? I agree. I agree. Like, I mean, we're played against it in mod. Like it just it's just so miserable. It's a two for one almost all the time. Like you can't just remove it. The best thing against it would be you know stony silence, right? Yeah. Um, or uh, null rod or something like that. And those aren't great cards against the rest of this deck. Uh, stony silence is good against walking ballista too. But you know people can play. People are playing stony silence and it's not really doing it. You know. Um. That's the thing. Like maybe you decide, well, this isn't a lock deck. This is an aggro deck, and we hit instead of instead of going for more lock pieces, go for the creatures. Restrict walking ballista, foundry inspector, arcbound ravager. I mean, yeah, I think you, there's I, so many cards you could play in this deck. Like the car, remember the car shops last year? Like yeah, that was the hot that was the hot deck with all the vehicles, and then all these cards came out in uh what's the second set of the Kaladesh block called revolt either, either revolt, revolt. Yeah, yeah yeah so they went from like this vehicle like look at all these cool vehicles we got to cast with our workshop to look at all these cool like aggro creatures we got yeah Here, <laughs> here's the thing when do you start seeing uh cranial plating in this deck i mean how far off are we from that because it seems like i don't understand why people aren't already playing it in this deck because i guess the theory is just that you know, you don't need cranial plating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, lock pieces are better than cranial plating right now. That's well, that's the situation right now. But how many lock pieces do we get rid of until you're just playing like a really ridiculous version of like modern affinity? Well, especially if you restrict Ravager and you restrict Ballista, right? Mm-hmm. We say like, okay, well now we're maxing Hangerback Walker. So if I get this Hangerback Walker dead, I've got a zillion artifacts. And then I just get cranial plating, cranial plating on one of them, and that's the end of the game because they're, it's, probably, yeah. it's probably like a flying twenty-one-one. Yeah, and right? I'm okay with that, honestly. Like that's that's fine. I think I think if you if you get to a point where this deck is is like kind of a butt ton of singletons, um, but they're all like super powerful in the context of like being able to cast five black lotuses, um, 
I don't know. I don't know if I think that's fair or if I don't care anymore about this deck or if players that play this deck are like, I've, I've had it. I mean, they're going to get to a point, like, let's be honest, they're not going to restrict shops the next time they go for a restriction. Maybe not yes. even the next time after the next time. It's, it's not going to happen. Not not immediately. But they're going to get to a point where they have to dilute this deck so much that it goes from being tier one to tier three at some point. And people will learn and they'll figure it out and they'll they'll put this back this deck back up to tier one, tier one five, right? But they're gonna end up banning like four things in between them there, where like it it they literally reshape the deck completely. Well the thing is, like, if this becomes a pile of restricted cards, right? That's not that different than what the blue decks are. Yeah, the blue decks are a pile of restricted cards. Blue decks are not inconsistent by by that nature either. Like every one of these, like how much different is Hangerback Walker than than Ballista in the grand scheme of like I have a threat, right? Yeah, well that's what that's what I'm saying. Like I don't really think it's that big of a deal to just keep to like. No, we want Workshop to be a four of in this format. We're just going to restrict the things that are stupid, <laughs> like the, the cards that make it really stupid. And that's going to just be what it is, because, you know, this is this is the point of the, the format, right? Like Mishra's Workshop as a one of I, mean, I think making Mishra's Workshop a one of and leaving, leaving everything in place, probably it kills the deck. It, 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 I would say it, I don't know if it kills it. As much like City of Tra- like what you get, like City of Traders, yeah, and you know, City of Traders is way worse, but it's not you know, it's not terrible. Uh, City of Traders Mox still gets you a Foundry Inspector, and then you're off to the races the next turn. Yeah. Um, if you don't, you know, if you're gonna be like, well, we're, gonna, we're not gonna restrict everything else, we're just gonna leave it as is. They still get one Mitra's Workshop, right? <laughs> and they only have to, how many times they gonna draw it? You never know. But you know, maybe you see cards like. Uh, Expedition map. <laughs> well, well, why not, right? Serum powder is an artifact. Serum powder. Serum into... powder is an artifact that produces mana. It's and, true. You know, it's true. Why not? Like if you like, okay, I'm gonna go to workshop and find my workshop with a serum powder. Like you get like maybe you you know, yeah, you have like one workshop, one serum powder, one expedition, a couple expedition maps, and like that's probably getting you a workshop on yeah. in in the first couple turns fairly often, right? It's funny um, because the other the other deck that people claim is is you know. Uh, oppressive in this format is Dredge, but like really, no one's that upset about Dredge right now. Like, and people have ways to fight Dredge. You just win like post board against Dredge for the most part. Like every match for Dredge that's game two is generally like a a like seventy thirty, and they're just like, I need to win game one, and I need to like coin flip seventy thirty twice, and like see if I can get this. Well, people thought Dredge coming into the champs was going to be yeah, very strong, and it had been it had been doing well. The Hollow One Gurmag Angler plan is pretty good, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was watching uh, someone stream Vintage, and you know they were they were ready with their Graft Diggers cage, but the Dredge guy just played a uh, Hollow One, and they you know couldn't find a way to get rid of it before they died. And uh, so, I mean, uh, I don't I don't know that like. I don't know that works like workshops is much better than that right now, but I mean, some of these cards are just so dumb with it. Like foundry inspector is just asking for trouble. (laughs) Foundry inspector is the eye of Ugin problem, right? Yeah. Where sometimes it makes, you know, sometimes it makes one mana, but sometimes it makes three on the next turn. You just like dump your hand. Yeah. Like that's pretty good. That's, that's, that's a broken card. (laughs) 
Um, you know, it's not like I'm cost reducing one, you know, I'm not doing this to cast precursor golem at for four. I'm doing it to cast two ravagers or, you know, a ravager and a steel overseer and a revoker off my one workshop, yeah. you know? So why don't you know, I just get rid of that? Walking ballista is problematic just for the reach. Like now this deck can kill out of nowhere. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a real problem. 20 in one turn. Yeah. <sighs> that's ridiculous. 20 in, the one, 20 in turn. one turn with ravager and ballista. So, um, so I think that like these cards are genuinely, I, I would clearly they're broken with Mishra's workshop, but they're not, they're not, now we can't have this card broken. If that's is that if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If, if Trin like if Trinisphere wasn't that card, is Foundry Inspector? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they could have restricted Mishra's Workshop when Trinisphere and Chalice were printed in the same block, right? Instead, they didn't, and Workshops was a player to be reckoned with, but not dominant for a decade until they released these Kaladesh cards that just that make Workshops so fast, not just a, a taxing deck right yeah i mean when's the last time you saw a uh what is it Kaldotha forge master or whatever hit the table yeah right i know you never see that card anymore yeah. because why why would you do that when you can just like you know what what are you getting with Kaldotha forge master that's better than like i attacked you with my walking ballista and then did 11 to you somehow like <laughs> yeah i mean you don't see you don't see uh you know metal wor- the metal worker like a staff of dominion uh, or staff yeah. of domination or whatever uh, uh, combo anymore anything like that. You just see like I'm gonna I'm going to play a bunch of dudes really fast. It's basically like you're you know you're playing a white weenie deck with winter orb in like 1993. Yeah, they could play. Why don't they play winter? Well, I guess vintage lands aren't as important. Yeah, lands aren't as big a deal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I know that's what I'm saying though. I don't think that. I mean, I, I can definitely see, like, well, it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any easier to manage Workshop. But I think I think restricting Workshop because they printed Foundry Inspector or Walking Ballista is pretty anticlimactic, yeah. given the history of the format and the history of the game. I think That's just my opinion. If I were if I were the type of person to uh, to give you a buy and sell uh, advice, I would say if you're thinking about playing Workshops buy workshops like i don't think that they're getting rid of that card anytime soon not anytime in the next two three years and i wonder too here's what if what can they print you know legacy gets they don't really print cards targeted at vintage no explicitly the way they print cards targeted legacy unless you maybe a braid was that like a braid is a good but it's also very good in the standard obviously but like a braid's like a good vintage card just because it kills artifacts and does something else you know um but like you know, legacy. I mean, I, I would you know go so far as to say that cards like Shardless Agent and Leovold and Sanctum Prelate and Recruiter of the Guard were targeted at legacy in the supplemental sets. I wonder what you might see out of um, the supplemental sets that might be targeted at vintage to deal with Workshop. Yeah, you know? I, I would I would love to see like a you know what what do we have coming up anytime soon that's like could, could be like that like the uh you know iconic masters obviously isn't going to have anything we've got well, another be set a... coming out soon that's that's it yeah I mean they could they, with vintage though you can you actually you could probably put stuff in regular sets a little easier than legacy just because vintage is so different like paradoxical outcome that's not a good standard card but it's a stupid vintage card yeah right? it's not even a good legacy or modern card it just does yeah. vintage well yeah 
Yeah. Um, so they could do that um, in Dominaria or something like that. But I'm thinking like if they're going to do it, they're going to do another conspiracy this year or another commander set, right? Like maybe like what's an upgrade from Kataki? I mean, even actually uh, putting something on a creature to fight the workshop deck is tough because of Walking Ballista. Yeah. <laughs> like you'd have to like it have to be like a thing like a like a null rod on a dude like. Are we, does vintage Tommy need that? dude. <laughs> well, they have that. I mean, they like they just printed one of those Manglehorn. Yeah, Manglehorn. But like that's the thing. Like Manglehorn. Yeah, great. I'm just gonna shoot this walking ballista, which I yeah. can do even if it's tapped. Um. So I mean, I don't know exactly what they could do, but um, I think that that might be a thing they try and do. Um, I I, I don't know. I think if they decide to restrict workshop, though, I think they should unrestrict some of these artifacts, like. Yeah. First of all, I think Thorn of Amethyst, like, if, you, if, if we're really worried about Workshop, I think Unrestrict Thorn, and then Eldrazi can be the colorless vintage deck of choice. I mean, Eldrazi lost so much when Thorn was restricted. Yeah. Because it mattered a lot more that it could cast creatures through the lockpiece. If they had Thorn and Thalia, right, and like a white Eldrazi deck. Yeah, the white Eldrazi that, deck definitely had 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 more legs for that. I feel like that's why I don't see it that often anymore either. I mean, there was a lot of it at, at Champs, but you know, budget deck, right? Yeah. And if you're going for the budget prize or something like that, I mean, fine, it's a fine deck to choose. So, I would I would definitely unrestrict Thorn and maybe even maybe even Trinisphere if they got rid of work if they w- restricted Workshop. I don't know about Chalice. Um, just because of the reason they gave for Chalice, like a turn zero, turn one Chalice for zero doesn't allow you to play Moxes. That was really bizarre, but if that's how they feel, they're not unrestricting that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that they should unrestrict Chalice. I think Chalice is a not, is a not very fun magic card to play against. Um, and, and for the whole format, like, nothing's worse than, like, owning Moxes and then, like, turn one your opponent's like, no, no Moxes for you. This format is not for you. You don't get to play the format. <laughs> You know, like, this is a format where you get to play, you know, like, four lands on the first turn, you know? Like, that's that's yeah. kind of, you know... Well, that's what I'm saying, though. If you don't have Workshop, I think Trinisphere is passable. doesn't do anything in multiples, you know? Yeah. Um, Thorn of Amethyst can come back. Chalice, I think they would keep restricted. Lodestone Golem could definitely come back with only one Workshop. I mean, that thing's not coming down for a while. Um, so... I don't know, but it's in it's in a way I feel like the restrictions they've tried to put on Workshop by attacking the taxing while printing aggressive artifacts, either in the form of vehicles or cards like Foundry Inspector, they've made this deck, you know, for you. Well, yeah. I can't, I'm not locking you out, so I guess I'll just jam more of these guys. And I, I think these are harder, almost harder to deal with because Hercules Recall is way too slow. Yeah, sometimes. And not only that, but like, how bad is Hercules Recall if the next turn you just puke your whole hand back out again. <laughs> I know, exactly, That's the right. problem with playing Hercules Recall in, in Modern, is like, you're like, ha ha ha, you'll attack me, all these things are in your hand, and at the, at, at during the second main phase, it's just like, cool, they're all back on the board. <laughs> right. You know? Good game. Well, Snapcaster Hercules. <laughs> yeah. No, but that, that you're totally right, and that, that's another good point, especially with Foundry Inspector being one of these key cards. Like, alright, you Hercules me, that's a nice way to use your mana. Now I'm just gonna play another workshop or play another land, and then just play all these cards again, all in one turn. Uh, if, assuming you're not dead. Now, if you Hercules into like you know storming them for you know tendrils for seventeen, you know that's different. But for like a fair 
as fair as any vintage deck can be. Yeah. Hercules Recall is really just like a sort of a delaying tactic right now. But I don't know. I think it's interesting. It'll be interesting to watch what happens with Workshop. Um, if they if they if they say like we're definitely we're gonna if they start to hit it with more restrictions if they go after Spear and Revoker if they go after these other cards if they hit a card like Ravager has been around for freaking ever still but like is now being like horribly weaponized yeah I mean I man we- Ravager Ravager feels like the card that they're gonna go after next and like that's the I really want to buy like buy into this deck because. You know, I'd like to just be able to win a vintage tournament eventually, you know? Uh, yeah. And this this seems like the way to go right now. Um, you know, just go full dark side. Um, but but Ravager is the card I actually think is is the most likely after after the inspector uh to to be to be removed. And I think it might be both of them. Right. And it's interesting to like <laughs> to think about what Ravager does. Like I have a friend who uh, has who I played Legacy with here, who also plays. It was like sort of a reasonably accomplished modern player with affinity. And I'll like when sometimes when I'm playing Legacy, he like does certain like combat math or stuff pretty fast, way faster than I can do it. And he's like, "That's because I learned, you know, I learned that skill playing affinity." And you're you're gonna see people like Rich Shea who are picking up that skill, you know? Yeah. Playing this aggro deck, and I think that's interesting and cool. You know, so I don't know. Cool, but uh, yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. Not, I'm. I just feel like restricting Mish's workshop because of Foundry Inspector is bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think Anything that else? that might be it, man. I think we've run out of run out of things to bitch about at this point. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well. Good luck and uh, have a good wedding. Thanks, man. Uh, I guess I'll I'll see everybody in two weeks. We're gonna take a take a week off, uh, so that so that uh, I can I can get married, and then uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll be back the next week. Yep, for sure. All right. Have a good week. Have a good week, man. Bye, everybody. Later on. Where does he get those wonderful toys?